Hey, glad to be back. This episode, we're going to talk a little bit about running. Um, I'll give a few updates because I've, I've had uh, a few of the big events that I've been building up to all year long finally happened. Um, I also joined a friend's podcast, um, Bound Radio. Um, it's a local gym here, Brandon Phillips. He's a you know CrossFit famous guy uh, where we do a bunch of catching up. He's become a good friend of mine. Um, and then we're just going to do a tour of retail news. This is Adnan Basrai. And this is Jeff Buffington. You're listening to Between the Aisles. Welcome to the show. This time we're not going to have Adnan with us because last I checked, he's overseas uh, visiting family and he is crazy busy, having a lot of fun, uh, enjoying the holiday season. So we'll just get right into it. All right. So all year long, um, I've updated, I've updated listeners on progress uh, towards my 1500 mile goal. I wanted to run 1500 miles and I do a lot of trail running too. And so with that comes an incredible amount of vertical gain. Um, not as much as some people do, but certainly most than uh, most people do. Um, and I am happy to say that as of right now, this recording, uh, I hit my goal. Um, if I take a look at the overall goal for the year, um, dang it, I really should have had this up before I got started. Yeah, no, uh, this year, year to date, 229 runs. My total distance so far is 1,530 miles. So for two years running, I've hit my 1,500 uh, mile goal. Um, but here's the interesting one, elevation gain. Uh, Strava tracks this piece, 140,942 feet. That is uphill vertical. Um, that, that's what I've done on the, on the journey to finish the 1,500 miles. Um, so certainly happy about that. But the completion of the 1,500 for a couple of years in a row, and then prior to that, it was 1,000, um, has me kind of rethinking um, what I want to do next. And so I don't think I'm going to set a goal for 1,500 miles. Um, or 2,000. I'm not going to set a mileage goal. Uh, I'm in a pretty good habit of running. I love running. I'm never going to stop running. Instead, I've already started to pivot. I want to get faster. Um, and I think it's important to have a goal because it's the only way you're going to knock it off. Now, the goal I'm going to set for myself takes me back to about four year, five years ago. I said one summer... Um, and I had always done a lot of trail running. And, and when you run trails, your muscles kind of change. And honestly, my pace kind of has slowed down. So I want to get faster. To get faster that summer, five years ago, I spent all of my running days at a track. And I was on the clock, on the track, um, uh, updating, correcting my stride, my pace, my foot strikes, my cadence, everything about running, trying to get faster and faster and faster. And the goal for me, 215 pounds, still, you know, heavy weightlifting me, was can I run a six-minute mile again? And I'll, I'll tell you, even back when I was playing college soccer, I don't think I ever ran a six-minute mile. 
but I had this goal. I, I had a, a bug in my, you know, I just, I just had it in me. I'm like, I have to, I have to run a six minute mile. And uh, five years ago, so I was 40 years old, right? I wanted to prove I was young still. My natural running cadence at that point was probably an eight, you know, eight, 10 pace per mile. And I'll tell you, since then, I've only gotten slower. If I go out for a run, a nice, you know, chill, flat run, I can comfortably hold maybe a 8, 20, 8, 30 pace. Um, so I've definitely slowed down. But again, five years ago, when I set this goal to hit the six-minute mile, I was running hundreds, 200s, 400s, 600s, all on a cadence, all on a pace. I didn't want to have to sprint at the end to hit six-minute mile. I wanted to have a new cadence so that I was super consistent, that that was my pace. And I ended up doing it. I did it twice, um, which I was super happy about. And man, it, it took a lot of effort. I mean, that was six minutes of pain, uh, believe me. Um, couldn't believe I did it. Um, but the benefit of that was um, I, I permanently uh, changed my running cadence. I, and I permanently changed my pace. After I did that, I was running 705, 710 minute miles comfortably, like with very little effort. I could hit six, seven miles at that pace. And so that's what I'm out to do again. I've got the target to run a six minute mile. And I know the benefit of that is that my pace is going to improve. My comfortable running pace is going to improve by a minute. At least it will if it's anything like um, you know, several years ago when I did it. So that's going to be my goal. Um, and to couple uh, with that goal, I'm still going to be in the gym. I'm going to get back to, you know, heavy squats, heavy cleans. Um, and I haven't really stopped doing that. I've backed off a little bit because of the long distances. Um, but all that is going to stay in, in the regiment. So very, very excited about the uh, the pivot. We'll see how it goes. It's funny because just this morning I was out for a trail run I was doing some long miles because I, I don't want to stop doing that. I just want to get faster. And so most of my training will be, you know, more speed work or at least a faster, faster pace, faster cadence. Um, but I was out running this morning in the cold and the wet. And I started thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well positioned right now to hit 50 Ks. Maybe I should sign up for a 50 miler. Maybe there's something in January or February. And so it's going to take a little bit of while. Uh, it's going to take me a little while to to change my mindset um, and, and to get off of just thinking long miles, long miles, long miles. Um, but doing um, a few track workouts a week, I think is going to help me get out of that. Uh, that is for sure. So super excited uh, for that one to come. Now, two weeks ago, I, I had the race that all of my year, all of my training had been building up to. It was Cloudland Canyon. Um, it's a state park up in the north west corner of Georgia. Um, when we go up for that event, uh, well, my wife went up with me and she wanted to do the trail half marathon on the Saturday. And so we did that. It's great. If you've never been to Cloudland Canyon, you've got to go. It is just heaven on earth here in Georgia. It is an amazing, amazing place. And we're, we're from the west. We spent a ton of time in Utah. We used to live in Colorado. We've had a lot of time like that. And uh, sorry, I have a kid coming down to, to inter, uh, jump in. We, we, we spent a ton of time out there, and, and this Cloudland area is just amazing. 
So we went out there for the trail half marathon. We ran all the way down into the canyon and then all the way back out. There's a there's a section where there's all these stairs, you know, almost 700 stairs. And man, it takes a lot out of your legs. But uh, that went great. And then I came back the next day for Sunday and I did the 50K. And so I was starting that 50K from a pretty tired spot. Legs were tired. We were going to see how it went. Uh, but this was always going to be my longest week. In the end, a half marathon and a 50K, the total mileage was upwards of 45 miles, you know, for the weekend. Um, uh, big for me. I know more, I know some people run more than that, um, and they do bigger events than that, but it's the most I've ever done. So I wasn't sure how it was going to go. And happy to report, man, I was happy as could be. Um, it, was, it was fun. I decided um, the night before I went back for the 50K, Instead of, you know, wearing, you know, the latest technical garments, you know, for a nice long run, I grabbed all my stuff and I decided to run in a Hawaiian shirt instead. <laughs> so that made uh, for a nice uh, social uh, piece of the race. Um, I had a lot of people coming by me, all smiles, cool shirt, dude. Um, and, and it was fun because there were a lot of sections where you, there was two-way traffic. And so you saw other runners throughout, people faster than you and slower than you. Um, and because of that, the race ended up being pretty social, um, and the shirt just got a lot of commentary. And so even at the finish line, um, you know, even though you're exhausted and everybody's stretching and we're all, you know, fighting off cramps and trying to put you know, nutrients back into our bodies, um, I wasn't as unapproachable as maybe sometimes I can be. Uh, I know I've got an angry face, especially when I'm tired, <laughs> even though I don't mean it. It just is what it is. Anyway, man, what what an event. I, I would go back, and if you've never been up there, you should definitely do it. And if you are running, you're a listener that runs, it's worth the trip to go to Cloudland for this event. It's held first week of December every year. Um, Run Bum Races, that's where you can find it, or on Ultra Sign Up. Um, so, hey, let's just jump into some other things. You know, I, I had a, a couple of topics. Generally, I think about retail news quite a bit. Um, I have several, uh, you know, auto email lists that come to me about top retail stories, retail news. Um, you know, it's the space that I live in. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to consume quite a bit of content. Um, I've got several newsletters. I've got podcasts that I listen to, whatever. And sure enough, I mean, if, if you follow anything related to retail news, um, you will see the Biggest story. Just Google it. Google it right now. Retail news. And the top stories you're going to see is, well, one, because it's super relevant right now, the tornadoes that went ripping through Kentucky, you know, destroyed an Amazon building, a lot of other buildings, a lot of homes. That's obviously still a, a trending story. But man, the number one is um, combating retail theft. Um, it is a big deal. I mean, you don't have to watch the news very long without seeing some of these stories of smashing grabs uh, from high-end stores, certainly. Um, I know I saw videos personally out there, you know, on YouTube or, or other, you know, social apps uh, of people going to home improvement stores uh, and stealing, you know, coils of wire because it's easy to move and it was really expensive. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's a tricky one because from a retail perspective, you don't want your associates, and I've worked for several retailers, and so just broadly, 
um, you know, the theme is, is everybody's got uh, some kind of asset protection resources. Um, you have cameras and, 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 and as we've moved into this technological age, we rely on those cameras a lot. Uh, the cameras are the things that uh, probably help, help a lot of retailers the most in trying to catch criminals. Um, um, but up front, uh, you know, 20 years ago, you may be able to apprehend somebody um, uh, or, or, or catch them or tackle them as they go running out the, the, the door. Um, but none of that happens these days. Like no retail that are, that retailer that I know of is allowed to interact with somebody that is, you know, hell bent on, on stealing something. You just let them go. Uh, instead, the cameras get them. Um, and hopefully, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, uh, caught the next time. Or, or caught, you know, on the back end uh, to some degree. Um, but the, the reason why this is interesting is I've just heard so many uh, interviews and, and, and other pieces of commentary around what more can be done because retailers are increasingly concerned. I've heard of retailers, you know, testifying on the Hill, um, getting interviewed, they're out in the press, and, and just a few thoughts on that. You know, and to start, I've, I've just got a story. Um, back when uh, I had a, a power tool category quite a while ago, you know, I had a, a small little wrench um, that was high value, $200 item um, that was getting stolen like crazy. And I would talk to our our teams regularly, hey, how do we stop this? And we had cameras in the aisle. Um, you know, we had um, little tags and devices that we could put. You know, we would have signs that said, hey, you're on camera. We would do all this stuff. And no matter what we did, people would continue to steal these things. The problem was that it was in a small little box, a box that could easily fit somebody down somebody's sleeve. It was just a little bit larger than like an extra large toothpaste box. And the discussion kind of turned to, well, your only option is rethink that box. And as a, as a retailer, I mean, I'm, I'm planning uh, shelf space. I don't want a bigger box. I want to be efficient. I want to be able to fit as much on the shelf as we can. So the idea was like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. A bigger box? And in the end, that's what we decided to do. We made a bigger box, a box that was almost four times larger. And almost overnight, as those boxes came in, the new, the new ones came in and we put them on shelf, the theft stopped. Because now it was too big. And so if you were just, you know, going to steal something, at least you weren't going to steal that anymore. We took that off of your list of targets. Um, a funny solution, though, to a, to a, crazy, to a crazy problem. Um, you know, I've seen interviews out there lately. Gosh, there was one of these mayors. I can't even remember who it was that was on um, uh, in, getting interviewed at one point. And, uh, oh, it was a, it was a, it was a, a female um, mayor, and she was talking about how She's frustrated in her city that retailers aren't doing enough to catch criminals. Almost like she wants us to tackle people as they go running out of the door. And it's like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But, but I, I remember listening to the interview and thinking, this mayor does not get it. They absolutely have no clue what goes on in a retail environment and how tricky, you know, sketchy that situation is, how dangerous that situation can be. And like I said in the beginning, I don't, I don't know of a single retailer that would ever intervene um, or allow their associates to intervene um, just because, 
you know, you're putting people, you know, your most valuable asset in harm's way. It's just not the way to go. So, um, yeah, I think the only way to get ahead of it, you know, is, is, is tough laws, tough prosecution, um, you know, unfortunately making statements, you know, by being very hard on some to deter the actions of others. Um, I think that technology will continue to advance. Cameras will continue to advance. Uh, the number of, you know, professional law enforcement uh, resources um, is going to have to, you know, continue to advance. I think, I think that's probably the only, the only answer. Um, and in some instances, if it just gets so bad, then, you know, retailers will make a decision, right? And, and unfortunately for a lot of communities, that means that um, those retailers will never open their doors again. And I know there's there's some downtown locations of of Walgreens and and others that uh, are highly, you know, public, where they do they close their doors. It's not worth it anymore. Um, instead, they'll transfer it to another you know store that's maybe in a safer area, or they'll just switch to online business. Because these days there's a lot of ways you can go to market, and so it makes me think about some of these high end retailers that have been hit in what looks like like professional hits. I mean, when you're looking at, you know, dozens of people all at once doing these mash and grab scenarios, um, it certainly seems organized and um, retailers like that, they just might not open their open those doors again, right? And they might just switch it over to, uh, to online and, and they will be just fine. And they will be just fine. Or, or, you know, asset, you know, protection organizations will come up with new, better ways to track. You know, and, and also it, it made me think of, um, there, there's a guy on YouTube. If you don't know who he is, his name's Mark Rober. Um, he's got these viral videos. Uh, one of them is, is, was addressing the, um, the issue of people stealing packages, Amazon packages, off of porches. And so what he did was he basically set up his own sting, if you will, where he created this device that when the package opened it would start spinning and throw glitter and start making noise. And it would often, or one of the versions, it would express a scent that smelled awful. Um, and basically it was like a bait to get someone to steal a package. And then when they stole the package, uh, they paid for it by, I mean, just making a complete mess of glitter and scent. Um, those videos are pretty funny. Oh yeah, and, and the the contraption had cameras, so he's he can YouTube you know stream all this stuff. So search his name. His name's Mark Rober. He's got a, a lot of other fun videos out there. But the anti theft device. Now no retailer is going to go that far, but a consequence like that will make somebody think twice about stealing again. I would think. <laughs> so um, anyway. Um, so yeah, so short short update this time. Obviously, like I said, the running's good. We'll, Adnan and I will be back together before you know it. Uh, he's got to get back in the country first. Um, and uh, if we don't record another one before um, the new year comes, you know, I'd challenge everybody, set some goals. Um, the new year is a great time to do that. Uh, set some goals, some big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, make sure some of those are physical goals because they make you better all the way around. There's no question about that. Helps you prepare for your day. Helps you have a better day. Um, and if you need any help with that, reach out to me. Um, 
I, uh, I'll give you all the advice uh, that I can, uh, the advice that I've accumulated, you know, over a career and especially over the past 10 years. I'm happy to do so. So until then, all right, I appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you next week. 